twice. And every one of them had their eyes on the World Series. Every batter was batting a thousand. Every pitcher, a perfect record. And then, in one day, half of all those teams had felt the sting of failure. Many batters went 0-5. Didn't get on base the first time. Many pitchers got pulled out early because they were stinking up the place. The best batters in the major leagues fail two out of three at-bats. Even Babe Ruth, who held the home run record for so long, also led in strikeouts. So while he had the record for home runs, he was also a failure. It is so easy to lose heart. It's so easy to quit when you're faced by this giant of failure. But the Apostle Paul reminds us today that while you may think you're at the end of your rope, you are never at the end of of hope. In the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, I want to remind you that the Apostle Paul is writing to people just like you. He's writing to church folks. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to those who believe in Jesus and they are heaven bound. But listen to what he writes. He tells them we have this treasure in verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore we also speak. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day after day. For our light affliction, which is but just for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are 
eternal. So what must we do as believers to avoid being become victim to this giant of failure? I want to help you out with three ways. Number one, we need to face the reality of failure. Failure is absolutely guaranteed. If you're breathing, I got it. If you're breathing, you're going to fail. Amen? Mark it down. Expect it early and expect it often. You're going to fail. You're going to fall short. I'm not trying to be a pessimist here. I'm not trying to bring you down. I'm just trying to be realistic because we all fail. Writing to these Corinthian believers, Paul paints a stunning picture of what it means to have our eyes opened about failure. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. So what is this treasure that Paul is talking about there in verse 7? He mentions it in verse 5 saying, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. So what is this treasure that is in you? This treasure that is in you is the gospel good news that Jesus died a sacrificial death for all sin. And that he rose again, proving once and for all that death has been defeated. And that by turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus Christ for salvation, you can be saved. That's the treasure that you had in you. Now, so many times, we like to hold that treasure to ourselves instead of sharing that treasure with other people. God has given us the most precious gift possible. And he has entrusted it to human beings who are prone to fail. Does that make any sense to you at all? That we have the greatest gift that humanity could get, could receive, but yet God gives it to a bunch of folks that fail all the time. That don't make sense to me. Well, think about this. Ancient copies of God's word that were called the Dead Sea Scrolls were actually found inside of real earthen vessels or clay vessels, kind of like clay pots. But the thing is, is those vessels will crumble one day. The caves that they were found in, they will be worn away one day. But the word of God that was inside those pots, man, it will never fade away. It's always, always true. It stands forever. So God trusts us by pouring into us his Holy Spirit and also giving us the very truth about how we can have eternal life. Why would he do such a thing? For a bunch of failures. Because get this, the light of God, the light of God that is his truth and his power shines a whole lot more brightly through a cracked and broken vessel. Amen? It shines a whole lot more brightly through a broken vessel. You know, I don't have to tell you, humanity can produce a failure. Charles Manson. That's a failure. 
Bernie Madoff stole millions from retirees. That's a failure. Humanity has produced its share of failures. But humanity has also produced a Mother Teresa. Humanity has also produced a Billy Graham. Humanity has also produced an army of missionaries who are determined to share the good news all over the world. Friend, God's strength appears more powerful when it comes from the likes of our weakness. God's power seems more powerful when it comes from the likes of our weakness. Paul says in verse 8 there, he says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our lives. Oh yeah, you may be pressed, you may be stressed, and you may be stressed on every side by all kind of troubles. You may struggle, you may get confused, you may be mistreated, you may get knocked down, but friend, you are never, ever abandoned by God. He is always there to pick you up when you fail. Now, you've probably heard some of this list of uh, famous failures. Thomas Edison's teacher said, that boy is too stupid to learn. Albert Einstein's teacher described the boy as mentally slow, unsociable, and lost forever in his foolish dreams. You may have heard of the Hollywood talent scout who said that Fred Astaire was balding, couldn't sing, and could dance a little. You may remember the newspaper editor who fired Walt Disney. Why? Because he didn't have any good ideas. And then, of course, to top the list is the whole committee at DECA Records that rejected the Beatles. That cost them, amen. We laugh at the morons who have rejected genius after genius after genius. That's the benefit we have because we can look back in hindsight. But don't you think that at this point in their lives, the Beatles, Fred Astaire, Thomas Edison, uh, Albert Einstein, don't you think that all of them felt like they were failures? All because another human being said they weren't good enough. You see, that's kind of our problem. We have the wrong definition of success. I'll talk about that some more in a minute. The best and brightest that the world has ever known share the same testimony. I failed. The best that the world has ever known say the same thing. I blew it. I wasn't good enough. I failed. And we are no different. 
The great Scottish preacher Alexander White said, Saints fall down, saints get up. Saints fall down, saints get up. All the way to heaven. That's a good description of me and you. See, God knows us. And he anticipates what we're going to do or not do. I want to tell you this morning that nothing surprises God. He knows what's going on. And on those occasions when we blow it, I'm so glad that God doesn't shake his head at me and say, Bill, you are such an idiot. Even though I deserve it. Instead, what does he do? He reaches down. He takes him by the nap of the neck and he picks me up and he, he dusts off my britches and he sends me on my way to try again. God understands us. When you experience failure, you need to remember that God understands. He understands you. He never ignores failure, especially when sin is at the root of your failure. But God has compassion that knows no bounds. So you've got to face the reality of failure. Failure is something that we deal with in life. But here is a second way that we, we fight this giant of failure. And that is by facing the reason for failure. As we look for reason in failure, we find the Apostle Paul mentioning a series of opposites. Look at what he does. He compares a light momentary affliction with an exceeding eternal weight of glory. Then he compares a things which are seen with things that are not seen. He compares things that are temporary with things that are eternal. Now, why would he do such a thing? Well, I believe that he's given us four reasons why we fail. Four reasons why God permits, why God allows us to fail. The first of which is we fail now so that we may succeed later. What do you mean, Bill? Well, present affliction, present failure means future glory, future success. We have to fail in order to succeed. Think about what Jesus said. Many times he said, the last will be, the poor will be, the servant will become a, Master. Amen? Jesus is all about bringing great reversals, especially when it comes to your failure. So if you failed, you're not stuck there. Jesus is in the process of reversing your failure into a success that will come later. So we fail now to succeed later. Here's number two. We fail in the irrelevant so that we might succeed in the important. When we suffer, does it hurt? When we suffer, does it hurt? You better believe it hurts. It don't feel good when we suffer. But when you step back, and you view things from God's point of view, then you're going to find that the weight of your present problems 
The weight of your present suffering cannot even be compared to the glory you're going to experience when you get to heaven. There is zero comparison. So we fail now to succeed later. We fail in the irrelevant so that we succeed in the important. But then also notice that we fail in the temporary so that we can succeed in the eternal. Consider this. 99% of your problems will be ancient history next year. Those things that you've been dwelling on, those things you've been fretting about, those things you've been worried about, man, you've worked yourself up into an anxiety attack. Next year, you probably won't even remember them. But when you compare the eternal truths of God, they are timeless. They last forever. They are eternal. They will go on and on and on and they will never ever fade. So here's the challenge. We need to accept the Lord's will and yield to the Lord's will today. So that we can invest in the countless blessings that we'll get in us and in others for all eternity. So you yield to God's will today so that you can be a blessing to yourself and others for all eternity. We fail in the temporary so that we can succeed in the eternal. The last one is this. We fail outwardly so that we can succeed inwardly. Y'all are some pretty people. Amen? Y'all are pretty people, amen? Guess what? God ain't so concerned about how pretty you are. He's more concerned about how you are inside. You know, we worry so much about appearances, but God don't give them a second thought. I get so wrapped up in public perception. Can I be honest with you? Amen? A little transparent here. I get wrapped up in how I'm perceived. I get wrapped up on whether people think, man, Brother Bill, man, he sure is a success in ministry. Sometimes I get wrapped up in that. But God don't care about that. Here's what God wants to know. Bill, how serious are you about spending time with me? Yes, he's interested in my obedience. He's interested in my faith. But all in all, he's not, cons- he's not concerned with the outside. He's concerned what's going on on the inside. God loves us most deeply when we quit the charade. God loves us most deeply when we drop the facade and when we come to him not like that Pharisee, but like the trembling tax collector who said, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm just a sinner. He's concerned about what's going on on the inside. So what I want you to know this morning, what I want you to take home with you, what I want you to apply to your life is this. Failure is not meaningless. 
There's a reason for it. And it's not the bad that we consider it to be. It's part of becoming like Christ. It's part of becoming like Jesus. We fall down and we get up. And every time we get up, we become stronger and stronger and stronger. That's the reason for failure. So that God will make us more like his son, Jesus. So, to fight the giant of failure, you've got to face the reality. Failure's coming. You've also got to face the reason. The reason is, is that God wants to make you more like Jesus, and so you're going to fail in this life. But thirdly, I want you to see that we need to face the result of failure. In verse 16, Paul says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. See, when you start losing heart, your life gets miserable. When you start thinking about throwing in the towel, your life gets miserable. But as believers cling to the fact that even though the outward man is dying, the inward man is being renewed day by day, then we begin to get stronger. Stronger. I mean, think about this. When you're on top of your game all the time, do you know what you have a tendency to do? You take it for granted. When you're on the mountaintop all the time, nothing but victory, you begin taking it for granted. But when you lose a time, or three, or four, or five, or six, and the losses keep happening, man, when the victories come around, I cherish them. The victories mean more to me after I've experienced failure. See, it's through those failures, through those losses, that we actually gain some wisdom. That's how you get smart. Amen? That's how you grow. That's how you get wisdom. How? By failure. We get wise to the fact that, that we ought not be gauging people by appearances. We get wise to the fact that we need to stop viewing people from the outside in. Rather, we need to start seeing what's on the inside that might come out. We need to start seeing people's potential and focusing on that rather than what we see on the outside. You look in the mirror and you may see a whole bunch of wrinkles. You may see that your clothes are wore out. You may see that your body is starting to give way. But why not look at the treasures that are inside? The gospel good news of Jesus Christ. As long as your spiritual life continues to grow, friend, that's all that matters. And that's what God sees. What's going on on the inside. So you need to remember, God focuses on the inner man. Or the inner woman, and not on appearances. Now, as I mentioned, I struggle with the success syndrome. I need to be successful. I want to be successful. I want to be good in ministry. But in order to have some successes, what must I also have? Some failures. I've got to fail in order to succeed. 
But my biggest struggle is, is what is my definition of success? What is my definition of success? See, often I determine whether I'm successful or not by man's definition of success. You know what I'm talking about. How many were in attendance today? Man, a lot in attendance today. Brother Bill was successful. Fewer in attendance today? Not so much. How many people made decisions for the Lord Jesus today? Man, not a single person came up. Bill wasn't very successful today. How much did we give to missions today? Basket looks pretty full. Brother Bill was pretty successful. It's really a little light. Not so much. Amen. But God wants me to know this. How much time have I spent with him today? More importantly, have I been faithful? Have you been faithful? Have you been faithful to do what God asked you to do today? That's the definition of success. Is what does God think? Have you been faithful to do what God wants you to do? Now, there have been times, a lot of times, when I have utterly failed God. But he knows me better than I know myself. And he is working for me a far more exceeding weight of glory than I have ever seen. And little by little, y'all may not get to see it very much, but little by little, I want to assure you, He's making me more like Jesus. And guess what? He's doing the same for you. Little by little. Some, you see yourself every day, so you may not detect it. But little by little, God is making you more like Jesus. There's a body of water that connects the Atlantic Ocean with the Mediterranean Sea, and it's called the Strait of Gibraltar. On either side of the Strait of Gibraltar are two mountains. To the ancient time people, they believed that those mountains marked the edge of the world. Remember back then they thought the earth was flat, not round. And so they thought that these mountains marked the edge of the world. Don't go out past the Straits of Gibraltar or you'll fall off the world. Amen. Carved into those mountains was a caution to sailors that said, no more beyond. And then in 1492, Christopher Columbus came along and he destroyed that belief that there's no more beyond. Amen. He sailed into the Atlantic Ocean and he eventually came and discovered the new world. But what you may not know is that in the town where Columbus died, they erected this monument 
at his gravesite. And on that monument, there was this lion. And the lion was tearing away the word no from that saying, no more beyond. And in so doing, what did he leave? More beyond. More beyond. Columbus had proven that there was more beyond. And friends, whether you believe it or whether you don't, I want to tell you today, on the authority of the word of God, that there is more beyond this world you're living in. Heaven is a real place, and I want to ask you, are you going to go there when you die? You need to settle that. You need to know that. You need to know what the word of God says. That heaven is a real place. And Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the way to get there. And no man comes to the Father except through me. <coughs> so you need to settle that. Heaven is the eternal destiny of all those who place their faith and trust in the only name given to men by which we must be saved. What's that name? 